Hello and welcome to the Access of Space Defense and Security podcast. I'm Omkar Nikam, your host for this episode. In this podcast, we explore the latest developments and trends in the fields of space exploration, defense technology, and national security. Each episode features insightful interviews with experts and industry leaders who share their perspectives on a wide range of topics, including the latest advances in satellite technology, space exploration missions, military defense strategies, cybersecurity, and more. Whether you are a space enthusiast, a military professional, or someone interested in the latest innovation in technology and security, this podcast has something for you. Join us as we delve into the cutting-edge research breakthroughs that are shaping the future of space defense and security. Stay tuned. Episode 43 is a follow-up of episode 44. So I kindly request you to first listen to episode 43. to connect with our discussion in episode 44 thank you very much and enjoy the episode uh, as you mentioned about the international law so how do international laws and treaties address the intersection of espionage space industry and hybrid war- warfare uh intersection is a very interesting question and and when i saw this question i was actually very excited to uh, answer this uh international laws uh, governing espionage they look at a range of legal instruments that try to regulate intelligence activities between states and these laws they aim to prevent prevent hostile actions while while also allowing some form of legitimate intelligence gathering so our uh, open skies treaty was something like that where you know uh, it was there, there was a group of countries that allowed uh, gathering information through uh, through whatever methods as long as we inform them that yes we're doing this at this time period so and additionally there are treaty, treaties related to uh, hybrid warfare uh, that is, address issues such as cyber attacks disinformation campaigns and other non traditional forms of aggression for example the talon manual 2.0 on the international law applicable to cyber operations they provide a very strong guideline on how there are existing international law which apply to cyber warfare now if i look at cyber warfare in combination with uh, space capabilities then we limit our uh, space laws to just the existing treaties and probably the uh, other unga guidelines that have been given to us but most of these other cases specifically uh, when it comes to an intersection they all fall under uh, international criminal law because espionage after a point becomes a crime and i think there we look at it from a international criminal law point of view and this uh, the intersection of the three areas international law space law and hybrid warfare they will present to us a complex set of solutions but also there are certain challenges when it comes to implementation and for that implementation we'll have to look at a very uh, combined effort on legal frameworks to ensure some form of security and some form of stability because right now if i'm dealing with a case i'll have to either look at a precedence or i'll have to look at uh, it from a, a new case point of view because we don't have a set method or a set framework on how to deal with such cases and that's probably why some of these cases even when uh, the crime was detected in 2009 they probably took about 8 or 7 years to come up with a solution and then try them for their uh, crimes interesting and uh, what are the potential consequences of espionage in the space industry on global stability and security uh, 
uh, particularly in the context of hybrid warfare uh i think there are five ways to look at it and the first thing is probably the deal breaker because um international relations is built on how we perceive each other and what is the amount of trust i have on somebody else right so the first factor or the first consequences of espionage would be the erosion of trust among nations and in many cases if i am involving in a espionage against somebody else's industry i wouldn't uh, i couldn't and i couldn't afford to lose the relations with them then that would discourage me from taking up uh, something of this scale and i think so that erosion of trust will be one of the first factors uh, the second one is definitely an acceleration in arms race and this could go both ways if i find out that they have a technology that i am not prepared for then i will start investing on that if i find if there are rumors that some country is investing on uh, say direct um, offensive space capabilities then that will directly relate to me investing on offensive space capabilities so that acceleration of arms race will be one of the consequences and it would be the other way around as well if i don't know what's happening Uh, in in my in my adversary space capabilities and we saw this happen with the nuclear uh, uh, space race the sheer fact that we don't know what they're capable of encourages us to invest more and increase our capabilities so that acceleration of arms race the next one would be disruption in the global systems itself so if there is a, a hybrid warfare or if there is a series of cyber attacks then it will disrupt not only my military space capabilities but it will cause disruption to all of the space capabilities that are available right and one of the uh, yes. case could be the chaos in um, military uh, sorry military operation civilian operations emergency response systems international trade so it will destabilize all of the systems altogether if we don't take care of um, The, the trends in espionage because we don't know how systems may react to them the next one is a threat to national security just the fact that my systems are vulnerable to espionage is a threat to my national security and this could be the theft of sensitive information or um a uh, a breach of my systems or even uh, altering my systems in any way or just blocking or uh jamming my systems the last one is again vulnerability to cyber attacks so minute uh, this espionage targets space industry it creates vulnerabilities for cyber attacks on critical infrastructure space based assets are interconnected with terrestrial networks right so then they make them susceptible to other cyber intrusions which can have multiple implications for again civilian and military operations yeah i mean just to i would say a little bit go uh, deeper into the space agencies and organization mm. so how do space organizations protect themselves from uh, espionage attempts in the age of hybrid warfare and what are the potential measures that can be taken to enhance uh, the security i think one of the primary methods that some organizations already use and most organizations should use is the implementation of very strict access controls and security protocols these uh define the way uh 
people have access to information there is this uh, theory right uh, when everybody when every single individual is working on something but they don't understand the bigger picture or why it is being done for then you're cutting off their access to information on how things work and i think in that way we have to carefully integrate our protocols in such a way that not one person or not a bunch of people have all the information or have uh, that vulnerability that somebody could tap upon another important measure is the use of encryption and secure communication channels so that sensitive data and communications are always encrypted that that prevents eavesdropping or you know, what happened at Stuxnet, we can try and prevent that as much as possible. Like I said, they will still continue to be vulnerable, but we can be prepared as much as possible. Uh, the next one is physical security methods that you can use. One is the use of surveillance systems, use of uh, security personnel to monitor and safeguard critical infrastructure and resources. Sometimes uh, companies also conduct regular security audits and assessments to try and see if there are any vulnerabilities that are in the systems or in among the uh, people at the top level so that there are we know who is a potential weakness and uh, we know what is a potential weakness in our security system. And these approaches will allow organizations to stay prepared in case something hits them. Uh, sometimes there would be very strong collaboration with government agencies. And this is popular among space industries that work on defense uh, space applications where they have government agencies and law enforcement bodies that provide some form of counter espionage capabilities. Sometimes they work closely with relevant authorities. Sometimes they leverage uh, intelligence infrastructure of the country to identify and mitigate potential threats. And I think if we are going to have uh, multiple private industries working in our country, then as a country, we should provide this uh, capability to our private industries, saying in case you want to uh, have that extra security measure, you can always reach out to us. And I think that will help in removing the foreign espionage activities. But within the country, within among private industries, then this uh, aspect of government agencies will not help. So then they'll have to look at fallback on their encryption and secure communications uh, capabilities. The last one is uh, investing on advanced cybersecurity technologies and threat detection systems. And these are slowly emerging, especially after those series of cyber attacks that happened in 2019 and 18 and 20, where they help in identifying and responding to cyber threats, including phishing attacks, malware, and other forms of cyber espionage attempts that will that probably might target sensitive information or sensitive systems. Okay. And uh, I would say, you know, from the little bit global perspective, can you discuss mm -hmm. the collaboration or competition between nations in space exploration and how this dynamics is influenced by espionage in hybrid warfare scenarios? I'm asking this question mm -hmm. from the perspective, like, for example, you mentioned uh, the peaceful space collaborations yeah. in space exploration. So yes. you know, that sometimes might be a pathway for infiltration as well. So this yes. question is from that perspective. So what are your thoughts on this? Um, I think uh, I'll start this answer with an example. 
with what happened to Roscosmos after yes. uh, Russia and U- Russia Ukraine that military engagement began, right? Yes. The war immediately you had ESA and NASA pulling out of all of their collaborative projects, and these projects were simple humanitarian exploration projects. They had nothing to do with security, but then you had. Uh, it was symbolic of the break of relations, but also it brings back to the question of uh, collaboration and competition. Because the minute that happened, they were back into the zone of competition between each other. And I think that would be um, a good example to try and understand how the space exploration industry um, is extremely vulnerable to Uh, the changes in the geopolitical trends. And we can go back to, again, the example of uh, 1999 when U.S. realized that uh, this transfer of technology is a problem with China. I think that is also uh, a classic case of collaboration turning into competition because suddenly we realize, oh, they're growing bigger than us or they're trying to steal our information and trying to benefit out of it. And uh, these examples can, they they are they are on the line between espionage, because they, it's not necessarily fully a case of espionage, right? But you still have this um, indefinite halting of relations, indefinite um, stopping of cooperation between these countries, just because suddenly there is a competition between nations. And this is because there's a very strong desire for technological advancement and national prestige always comes into play here. And that is what happened with uh, Roscosmos, ESA and NASA. Um, Another thing is the trust factor. We are collaborating, but the minute I find out that the collaboration has a, a negative tone to it, then countries necessarily may pull back on their collaboration efforts and this has probably happened in multiple cases where the minute trust factor has fallen apart the collaboration has ended Um, the militarization of space is another aspect the militarization of space poses some form of vulnerability to critical space assets and this may uh, so then me as a country or me as a private industry, the minute I know my technology has a, a security tone to it, then I refuse to cooperate with another another state because what happens? What if something goes wrong? What if um, it may be a problem later on? So I think those vulnerabilities are also seen in in the uh, active in the trend between collaboration and co- competition. At the same time. Uh, there is a very strong imperative for nations to develop resilience, resilient and secure space capabilities because every time we cannot say, oh, there is a threat, so we will no longer collaborate, right? Because that cannot happen. And now yes. the threats will continue to increase because the geopolitical tensions are increasing at a very fast rate. So that form of a very strong um resilience and confidence building or securing space capabilities will will become the responsibility of the nation to develop so that companies and the private industries or the R&D continues to work with each other. And I think that is something uh, which will be required to withstand threats, but also work with each other. And that we require very strongly at this point in the space industry. 
yes i think uh, you are hitting the right point actually and mm. i would just like to add on that yes please the narrative definition or is you know kind of scattered at the moment but i would just like to mention it in a layman's term like narrative mm. strategy is very yeah. important as well i'm coming to that question uh, but uh, i believe we also had one episode with dr ekatrina matoi on espionage and the narrative warfare so setting your own narrative is also very much important uh, i believe uh, especially when it comes to the private uh, space companies uh, for example we have seen elon musk yeah uh, you know it's it's spacex is currently the only company which is setting its own narrative rest all the companies in the space industry are i would say just aligning with the government's narrative like government yeah. says don't go there don't supply instruments to russia they say no we won't uh, don't uh, do this in ukraine they do it don't do don't do this in ukraine they don't do it but yeah. it's only the spacex which is doing what it feels it is right for its own ethics and principles yeah. and of course the ethics and principle varies for each of the companies but whatever it might be but you know having narrative as a dominant tool or mm-hmm. to know how to use the narrative in the industry mm-hmm. can actually give more power to the you know individuals organizations uh, even to the international community as well Uh, so i think yeah narrative strategy is also one of the i mean additional point uh, which can actually increase more collaboration as well it's not that narrative strategy only leads to uh, you know cold wars or conflicts it is also about you know kind of uh, repairing the fractured relations yes and uh, you know just reinstating all the collaborations as well so that is where also the narrative strategy plays a very important role so yeah and you know just to add on to this uh, so this is the i mean we are approaching the end of the podcast so uh, what role do private space companies play in the espionage landscape of the space industry particularly in hybrid warfare context okay so when it comes to private space companies or private companies in a, a they there are two kinds one and these guys are we have to understand that they are working on um they have to raise their own money and most times they might be working with some government funding right so some of them are government backed entities some of them yes. are extremely commercial and so they have different approaches they take when it comes to technologies uh, sensitive information and all of that your classic example is how satellite imagery and remote sensing plays out when it comes to private space industries today if i sit down uh, and i have the money that is needed i can get sensitive information about any country in the world just by reaching out to probably planet labs or digital globe because they operates constellation of satellites they get high resolution imagery and most time some of these imageries can be applied for military and intelligence purpose and uh, so these kind of um capabilities may be applied in another hybrid attempt against somebody else and this is operating in a reality where you have multiple non state actors that do not have or organizational structure they may be operating in any capacity the next uh, 
vulnerability or the next um, role that private space companies play uh, is when it comes to navigation and timing. Private space companies such as GPS companies like Garmin and Trimble provide navigation and timing services that are critical to military operations. And these services are used for uh, targeting and navigation. And this could potentially be disrupted or manipulated for military advantage if there is a, a case of espionage uh, against their systems. Uh, the last one is cybersecurity. Multiple private space companies uh, provide cybersecurity services that are critical to protecting military and intelligence systems. And if we go beyond that, cybersecurity is required in protecting every single aspect of our society. And uh, these services can be used to identify and mitigate vulnerabilities in these systems and to detect and respond to cyber attacks in real time. So there could be uh, very strong systems that uh, may be vulnerable, but a strong cybersecurity uh, landscape will help us to mitigate these vulnerabilities. I feel like uh, very broadly, we can circle back to uh, these three capabilities, especially in the space industry, to try and explain every single aspect of hybrid warfare. Yes, definitely. I think uh, you mentioned uh, this as a very important point. Uh, also, uh, just to you know, go back a little bit, I think I mentioned uh, uh, this point previously. Mm -hmm. It is also very much, I would say, important to educate uh, the private space sector. I mean, the privatization of the space industry, you know, it's it's very young. Uh, yes. It's it's not, I would say, fully matured. Even though there are several companies who are working with the military agency and all, we are still a very young industry. In terms of commercialization, uh, not yes. in terms of you know the government space sector, uh, but in terms of commercialization, we are still very young. We are not like other finance industrial sectors where people have you know uh, decades and decades. Like arms industry, arms industry has been flourishing since uh, you know possibly uh, I would say past seven eight centuries. Yeah, uh, but in comparison, uh, the space industry is very young in terms yeah, yeah. of commercialization. So I believe it's going to take some more challenges, hurdles, uh, but educating, I think, uh, I believe uh, the industry is still very important. And I think yeah. once you educate someone, it remains forever. It's yes. it's not like, you know, a regulation or a law which needs to revamp or revise. If you educate someone, it keeps it will keep on passing to the generations. And that is, of course, uh, again, I'm coming to the point, uh, the academic integration is very important uh, for mm -hmm. this thing. Then only, I believe, uh, the private sector's outlook on the espionage uh, will start changing. So, yeah, that's that's a little perspective from my side as well. Uh, just to I... add a layer on what Harini said, yeah. And I strongly feel like efforts, uh, efforts like this, very strong initiatives like this, to just bring people sit and have a dialogue on what uh, may be the problems in the industry or what may be done to address these problems in the industry. Because yes. uh, I'm sure you you have done at least two two episodes already on espionage and uh, multiple other discussions that again have uh, a little bit of a connection to what we're talking about and i think these 
provide the foundation or like the base on which people can take forward and do their research on what can be done or probably take it forward and try and address it in multiple forums and see what can be done. And I feel like these kind of dialogues really make a very big impact on um, the kind of subject that we're trying to understand because trying to understand yes. this topic takes a lot of effort and um, these it makes it easier for us to use this framework to try and understand. Yes, definitely. Uh, and yeah, as we are at the end of the podcast, uh, so Harini, this is this last question, as always, I keep it for the students. Uh, so what message would you like to give to the students, researchers, and other stakeholders willing to participate and engage in space, defense, and security research studies? I said it before probably i'll change the way i look at it today and i feel like when you have a question in your mind or when you feel like okay i'm interested in defense industry but i don't know where to start i feel like um, that itself is enough to uh, take a path and try, try to figure things out but when you feel like you don't know something uh, the best way is to uh, start wherever you are probably ask the most basic question, why study defense industry or why do I need to know about this industry or why do I think I've, my interests are here and probably take it forward from there. I feel like that will be a good uh, point. But also it is important that whatever we have an interest in, even if it is related to uh, human security, even if it's related to something as simple as unconventional warfare, uh, all of these uh, necessarily will play into uh, what we're trying to understand. So I think keeping our uh, vision open, keeping a broader perspective on issues will always help us to try and understand what we're already trying to study. Uh, little did we know that uh, what happened in uh, in Israel on October 7th had so much to do with autom automatic systems, had so much to do with the failure of a hybrid warfare strategy. And I think uh, by looking at it from that perspective, we'll try and understand a lot more about Hamas's strategy or what may have happened that day. And I feel like asking the right questions may be um, the best factor in such things. Yes. Thank you very much, uh for providing such valuable insights and I believe the audience will definitely take a lot of uh, knowledge from this conversation and as I mentioned uh, there have been some questions which popped up uh, which definitely we can continue in other podcast yes. uh, as I'm as I hoping that uh, possibly now from next year I'll record more podcast with you even more podcasts uh, because uh, uh, the series of topics and the kind of developments we are seeing in the industry, your expertise very well aligns with it as well. And the audience, of course, loves to hear to your <laughs> podcast. So yeah, looking forward to having you again. Thank you very Thank much. You. Thank you so much. We'll definitely plan the next series of uh, podcasts and work on them soon. Yes. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you find our podcast insightful, then please like, share and subscribe. See you in the next episode. Thank you.